It's evolution, baby. You're listening to Live on Four Legs Evolution Series. In each episode, we'll look at the timeline of live performances to see how they've grown and changed throughout the years. It's evolution, baby! This week, we'll talk about Yellow Lip, a staple of the set list that's been a popular closer since 1994. So strap in and get ready to take a dive through history, because it's not just songs, it's evolution, baby. Hello everybody, welcome to Live on Four Legs, the definitive Pearl Jam Live podcast. So today we're going to do something a little bit different. It's going to be kind of a special episode. We're not going to go through and do a full concert like we usually do. We're going to try something a little bit different and see if it works and uh, see if we're going to continue doing it from now on. Uh, I'm here today. It's Randy Solvel, by the way. Uh, I have to introduce myself every time. I continue to forget it. I won't forget anymore. Randy Sobel here. John Farrar is over there. Hello. Hi, John. Is this like a very special episode? Like when Full House, when Kimmy Gibbler would do drugs or something? Is this going to be one of those? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Do you have any pot? I do not. Okay, then I guess not. Uh, I guess we're going to have to stay straight on this okay. one. Um, but I think this is more along the lines of it's like kind of... It's not a clip. Sh- it's like an infomercial almost. At least this episode is an infomercial. So it's the it's the sham wow of live on four legs. Yeah, hundred percent. Because you're not going to get this as an actual episode uh, every every week or every other week. This is really this is what we, we plan to do for Patreon. So what we wanted to do was kind of show you guys what we're doing here and you know that this is going to be uh exclusive to patreon for new episodes and so i have a question if you stay save you sticks. Uh, yes what's, what's yes patreon explain that well john patreon is a feature where we have our own link on it and uh you can go to our page and it's a way to help out uh budding podcasts or youtube channels that uh usually have uh funds for things and and your donation uh, for Patreon goes to us and we put it back into the show which is usually putting it back into stuff for you guys anyway so with that you get exclusive episodes that we've done a couple of so far and actually right now as we speak uh, there should be another one of these on Patreon so if you're into this episode you're you know you want more head over to Patreon and uh, it only costs a dollar it only costs a dollar. That's all it costs. So if, if that's if you feel like that you can help out the podcast, donate a dollar a month, then we'd be more than appreciated of it. And uh, you know what? For that, you know what you get. What do you get? You get a chance to come on the show to talk about your favorite concert you've ever been to. Pearl Jam wise, that is. Uh, and we've had so many people come on and talk about it already that I'm... You know, surprised that that not more people have uh, been champing at the bit to to get here. You, you got here. Yeah, they, look what happened. They've to you. All, 
You climbed and they've up the all ladder. been great. And yeah, yeah, look at me. I'm I'm living proof, as they say. You're uh, you 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 won the pyramid scheme, basically. <laughs> I don't know how that worked, but you know. Well, no, thanks. You know, thanks for having me again. I you know I love the show. I love doing these. I think this is going to be be really cool, and I'm I look forward to doing a lot more of them. Yeah, and we're I mean we're not stopping anytime soon, and I think that uh, it, it's fun. I, I like. I like talking about these things and I like breaking down, you know, small little specifics and it kind of gives us the opportunity to talk about things that maybe Matt and I would have talked about in past episodes. But now, uh, since we're trying to trim things and trying to really get to the, uh, to the point in episodes, so they're not three hours long now, uh, this is an opportunity for us to take songs and really give them the spotlight that they deserve. And especially, uh, really for the first handful of episodes, it's going to be all, you know, Vitalogy or older. It's not going to be a lot of, we're not going to talk about the history of the fixer or, you know, like, uh, the Hey, the, the, the fixer is 10 years old now. Don't sell it short. I'm not selling it short. It's, it's a fine song. It is a catchy song, but <laughs> as far but no, as yeah, history I mean, this, this goes, this is a, just to say, you know, real quick, this is a band that that rewards uh, a deep dive into their live shows like this. You know, we're going to get a chance to talk about some shows that we that we haven't talked about that we may not talk about for a little while. And sure. Get into some get into some really minute minutia details that that I think are going to end up being really cool for people to hear. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I'm excited to do it, and I'm excited to to give it to you guys. So, uh, without further ado. Um, we have anything else that we want to promote? Uh, any poster giveaways? Something like that? Oh, Maybe a poster giveaway. I think we might. Yeah, let's let's talk about that. Okay. So how uh, should should I should I drop a hint on on the poster? If they want a free poster, how can they get a free poster? You can leave a five star review on iTunes or on the podcast platform of your choice. Just send us a send us a screenshot or send us a, a link. And you will be entered in to win a free official Pearl Jam Live poster that I have in my possession right now. Mm. I, I will give you a hint. The poster itself features a an animal. Ooh, that is and that's an all interesting. I'll say. Hit. Okay, I drop a hint. Maybe I'll, I'll as we as we keep going as we get closer. Maybe I'll drop some more hints. All right, it's an animal, folks. So if you'd rather be with an animal. Head on over to Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating. Give us a little comment, too. Say something nice about the podcast. You know, we like when people yeah. say nice things about us. And we, we say nice things about you guys all the time. You don't know what happens uh, when when we're off air. We're saying nice things about you guys all the time. How, I mean, I, how I we want to give you free bootlegs and all that. I think I've threatened to fight someone every time I've been on the show. But I don't <laughs> it's really basically just been mad. mean it. Yeah, I think I threatened to fight Tom the other day. <laughs> that's that's an episode that's coming out next week. Right, and, um, right. Stay tuned for that. I, I'm gonna try to. I think I'm gonna try to drop that in every episode and see if someone actually takes me up on it someday. I may be. I may have get, be getting myself into trouble, but we'll see how it goes. Well, if if the wrestling episode ever happens, then uh, you might get your wish. Oh, I can only hope. <laughs> uh, so today's uh, evolution, baby episode that we're doing here is uh gonna focus on yellow leadbetter this is the first one and really the history of yellow leadbetter goes back to 1992 right even before that goes back to 1990 if we want to talk if we want to go back to the beginning i mean this is a song that you know everybody knows that that famous first show at the off-ramp october 22nd 1990 
so they they play that show. Eddie's still in Seattle. They go into the studio the next day, break, run through some more stuff, and this is an improv that I guess Mike had come up with on the spot. Maybe he was maybe been listening to a lot of a lot of Little Wing at the time, heavily influenced by that. Wink, wink, nudge, uh, nudge. So it's, exactly. So they they just run through it. You know, Eddie throws some lyrics on top of it, something that he had, and they forgot about it. Um, and then you know, a couple of years later. They, you know, we get to the Jeremy single. They need a B-side. Uh, go through, you know, they weren't recording any live stuff. Uh, they didn't have anything for the B-side. So if you if you go to your PJ20 book, they talk about it in the Lost Dogs chapter. Jeff, you know, had a tape of some stuff that they recorded, went back, pulled the tape out, said, what about this? Pulled it out. It's a B-side to Jeremy. I had that. I, you know, I paid twelve ninety nine at, at Media Play for that import single that had footsteps and yellow led better on it and you know it's, it became a crowd favorite instantly people love the song it was something super different for them um it probably should have been on 10 as i think they've said a few times but it just didn't fit and you know it's uh it kind of they waited a long time to play it live but it's it's worked its way into becoming one of the staples yeah and uh you know it, it, there's some discrepancy here uh based off of uh some stats that some people have, uh, especially what the band's website has. Uh, I always, and this is you know uh, free promotion for them, but I always go by Live Footsteps stats, LiveFootsteps.org. I mean, because I've talked to Dave about it, because he's so ingrained with it, and I, I I've grilled him on it too, just to see why uh, you know he he picks the stats that he does, and it's because he goes through and he actually listens to the bootlegs and he makes sure if if there's only uh you know word of mouth on it he makes sure that he doesn't take that uh necessarily uh as as gospel yeah i mean we're lucky to have all these resources you know we have five horizons we have live footsteps we have the stat tracker and we you know we, we kind of conglomerate those things together to get get the full picture Right, and the, so if if you go by, but yeah, he does a great job. He does he does a fantastic job, uh, and this is what I emailed him about a couple months ago. If you go by Five Horizons, if you go by PearlJam.com, they'll all say that Madrid, uh, February fifteenth, nineteen ninety two, was either the first time they played it or the first time that it made an appearance. Now, there's no proof in two thousand nineteen that that's the case. Besides, you know. Uh, basically retellings of the story uh but right you know back then that we there weren't not everybody had an iphone at the show exactly yeah more based on either in especially in madrid like nobody probably recorded that show i have i have three songs from it and that's it and it doesn't include this the little snippet of yellow Led better that they supposedly played and how many bands are doing this at the time how many bands are basically going on stage and collecting their set list and and making sure that you know for future usage we're going to keep this set list in our in our archives right. like bands aren't doing that at this time especially yeah since and no they were there. we're we're so lucky that they did that from the beginning like i would i would love to get i go to jeff's house and look at that crate of, of stuff that he has uh, i'm sure there's some absolutely filthy disgusting gems in there and yeah. by filthy and disgusting i mean beautiful glorious oh yeah Ooh. oh yeah uh, yeah, 
getting off off topic as a uh, you know dream in dreamland there. Uh, so that Madrid show apparently had a snippet of Yellow Ledbetter after a live. Uh, it's an incomplete set list, so David Live Footsteps does not count it towards the stats. Uh, the debut officially happened uh, November sixth, nineteen ninety three, in Mesa, Arizona. So this is well. Uh, yeah, a, over a, over a year after the single was released. Over a year, and at that time, it became a radio hit. But I'm not sure at that time if it had started to circulate yet. It started. I to think get that popular. was later. I remember. I think it was. It was later that it got picked up. It wasn't. It wasn't right from the beginning because they were. You were still heavy into Jeremy and even Flo and Alive. It wasn't until. I think it wasn't until ninety five, ninety six when they when there weren't really any radio singles like no like no code didn't really have any radio singles right uh so i think that's when radio stations started going back and like you know what can we play and you know people started requesting it and it kind of that 95 96 when it kind of took on a life of its own so times played i have 373 here times used in an encore 357 so uh out of those you know quick math what is that um I can't. 90% at least. Yeah, right. Uh, like 16 times that they didn't play it in an encore are probably like set set lists that don't have encores that are at festivals. Right. Exactly. So it's really and those and those early versions where it where yeah where it appeared early and there well, there wasn't an encore. Sure. So it's it's not like they're they're playing uh, you know blood and then into yellow lead better than into porch. They're not doing stuff like right. that. It, how how weird would it be to go to a Pearl Jam show and hear Yellow Lead Better in like the middle of the first set? So strange. I don't even know if they I can't even I can't even fathom it. I I mentioned to you before the show what would it be like if they open with Lead Better? People would think it was just a one song set and they would leave. <laughs> See, I, <laughs> I mean, I think like, actually, I guess the show's over. Th- think about it though. I think it could actually work uh, in in a way. If they played it and then played Corduroy right after, Whew. does that I don't like know. I don't know. does that not get you juiced? Does that not get you? I mean, up? I'm. I mean, Weird Pearl Jam is my favorite Pearl Jam, so I'm, I'd be into it. It's but it would it would be weird. It's something right sure. up their alley. I mean, they've opened with yeah. Live before in right. like 2006, right? So any anything can happen at any point. Uh, but times close with. 338 out of the 373 so there you know everybody really knows this that it is the definitive closer of a pearl jam show every big show or or next to every big show that they've ever had from 1995 on has pretty much closed with Ledbetter. and but that's not really how it started it really started uh in this Mesa, Arizona show, and and if you listen to it, it's it's a B side on the daughter single, the the live version. You listen to it, it's incredibly slow. It's really it's just Mike and Eddie with kind of a weird tracking behind it with with Dave, and it it sounds like it just belongs in a club with with five hundred maximum people. It's not really it doesn't get into sort of the groovy vibe that it has. It just kind of stays stays flat and uh i i guess that at this point they're really just trying to figure out what they have with it and figure out their legs but um this early version this debut isn't exactly 
where it ended up. We're getting yellow lead better that's opened up over the years and you know at first i'm sure they probably had to go back and remember how to play it you know he he makes up different lyrics every time and uh, you know if i can if i can read you something if everybody will, will open their pj20 book um <laughs> page you know, the number reason they uh 280 um mike talks about how they you know a, a little reason why they weren't playing it at first he says uh quoting here he says back when we recorded it we were playing short sets on Lollapalooza and stuff. We wanted to hit them with the really heavy, hard stuff, you know, bam and get off. At club shows, we do the record and something like a cover of The Beatles' I've Got a Feeling. It just kind of got put on the back burner. We and the band forgot about it. But when it came back up, it began to seem like a bookend at the end of the show. Over the years, it's just gotten immense support, live specifically. People are just into it, and they're singing it. I don't even know what the lyrics are. Depending on whatever is going through Ed's head that day, he'll change them. It does happen all the time where he throws in a different verse. I watch people singing it and they're passionate and that makes me totally excited and humble. It turned into something without us even trying. So that's such a cool thing. It's one of those songs that like 93, like if you listen to that Mesa show and the Denton show, when as soon as he starts playing it, it gets a huge cheer. Like people know the song. When it started appearing in 94, it became like it was something that appeared on set list as a request or at a at a show where they would play rare stuff there was a fan club show in in 94 where they played it uh and it kind of like it popped up sporadically at kind of like the cooler shows you know and i think that kind of like helped people get a feel for it helped the band realize like wait a minute people really like this we should start playing it and on that 95 tour it started popping up as a closer almost every night yeah, I, I kind of, uh, the version that I go back to with that is uh, the Orpheum Theater one because that was Definitely. Uh, a set list that was created by their their crew. And uh, at that point, it had only been played seven times and used twice as a closer. This is really late in the set that they're doing it. So, uh, and you can hear that the crowd is, is really into it. They're still figuring it out at that point, though. It's not quite where they want it to be um and i feel like like you said 1995 you get jack in the band and they can sort of it really is more of a jack song and more of a jack style where he can find a groove with it um and that's you know you get all these these uh these shows 40 41.9 percent 
of shows in 1995. Uh, played 18 times. Closed with, it looks like here, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. Uh, it looks like 12 times out of the 18 that it, that it was closed with that year. So they're not just playing around with it, but they're starting to realize how important it is and vital it is to the set and, and what kind of reaction they're getting at the time. Oh, yeah, and it's, and it's only taken off from there. You know, if you all throughout the late 90s into those that, that 2000 tour and you know we can talk about we haven't gotten to this these shows on the on the podcast yet but the mansfield shows in 2003 the experiment where you know they were going to play each song one time have a unique set list at every show when they got to the end of the last show nobody left people wouldn't leave so they they had to go on and play Ledbetter again so that people would go home We're just trying to play every song we played on tour, and we did play that one. That that was kind of the beginning of where it became like a celebration of the show, and people started people started looking for it. You know, I I myself like I got it at my first show in 1998, but you know I was 19 years old. I was just happy to be there. I was happy to get anything. And then you know when I saw them in 2012 in Atlanta, they didn't play it. 2013 Charlotte, they didn't play it. So it was one of those things that I really wanted to hear them play, and then I was, you know, I was lucky to get it in, in Memphis, the show that that we were both at, and uh, a bunch of times in 2016, and uh, so you know, it's one of those things that it gets a huge reaction every time. It's it's a celebration of the show. Uh, it's a chance for Mike to show off, and like it's a chance for him to kind of like play different things, tag it. You know, they there's been some great tags over the years. When they were playing this in '95. And ninety six, um, it started. It, it was still. It had that sort of kind of bluesy beat to it, but it didn't have that full energetic vibe uh, that we get. Yeah. That's kind of the arena rock song that, that closes shows nowadays. Because because you think about it, it was still a B side. Like sure, it's not. It's not something that they. It was. It was an afterthought. You know, it's. It's not something where they were like, oh, you know, we we really want to push this one because it's. You know, it's a single or it's on our new record or something. It's, right. It, it was just more like, oh, the, here's this B-side that, that we barely know and that doesn't really have lyrics. Right. And it's it's popular and people want to hear it. And every single show they played it, uh, except for one, in 1996 it was closed with. Uh, and that, that was half their shows. Going to 1998, almost all of these shows, except for one, they closed with it. Uh Oh yeah, by by that time it had, it had definitely established itself. It's established, but even so, thirty-eight point eight percent of the shows in nineteen ninety-eight, it's not exactly, and it's it, it's not a guarantee, but it's it's pretty much a staple of their. Well, yeah, set. you know, it's it's always it's always had to compete with indifference and rocking in the free world and you know Bob O'Reilly and things like that. It's it's always it's it's always going to be one of those handful of songs it's really i think where it really comes into into light and really shines here is uh really starting during the binaural tour uh i mean it's played over half the time it's closed with just about every single night and uh it's a lot of those shows too you think about in those tours they were playing multiple nights in the same place right and you know they're they're not going to play play it both times in one show so getting it 40 percent of the shows means that they almost they probably played it in almost every city right jones beach had three shows uh 
West Palm Beach had two shows, and right. I'm sure those ones, you go back and look at the set list, Ledbetter was probably closed with night three of the Jones Beach one, uh, same as the West Palm Beach, and there were a lot of those. Uh, you know, that's, that sh- you know, those numbers, when you when you see just like 56%, uh, it's not it's not accurate as to how often that they were playing it because all of like you were saying all of the places that they did play it those people that went to both shows ended up hearing it so right. um, but what's kind of interesting about the early two thousands is it starts it starts gearing up to be that arena rock song it's starting to have some energy to it it's starting to have a little bit more passion you're starting to hear the crowd respond to it and kind of sway back and forth uh it it opened up a lot it became something that they that they played around with and you know a lot of the lyrics during that time started to be about the gulf war you know topical things that were happening at the time and the iraq war as well a platform exactly it became kind of a a platform for him to, to talk about you know issues and and, you know, the song kind of be began as a song about uh, a story about the Gulf War, where a guy, you know, his brother dies in the war, and he has to come back, and he sees this old couple on their on their porch, and he waves to them, but they don't wave back. So he's like, "Well, what the fuck?" Um, so it kind of like it's kind of a nod to the early history of the song that he used it in that in that in that political way, you know. Sure. And I love those versions. Sure, I, yeah, I think especially like. Um, the Camden version, I believe, is sticking out to me from uh, the Camden show in 2003. Uh, he completely changes the lyrics, and um, and most of those shows, uh, you know, obviously there's always been a discrepancy over what the lyrics are, but uh, he changed those lyrics instead of uh, don't know whether I'm the boxer or the bag, he changed it to don't know if my brother's coming home in a box or a bag. Something that I would think of in my head, head, head. I try not to dream of a never-ending ride But I still hear him, hear him and that's alright And I think of the letter that was in to the time and with the Iraq war going on and how uh, how much that they were you know protesting the Iraq war it kind of gave them that platform uh, at the end of the show to kind of subtly throw it in it wasn't sort of uh, they weren't doing it to you know necessarily right it, push their views a, on people it's not a but, it's not a bush leaguer no but it's it's a way for them to to express something that they feel strongly about. Sure, and uh, going back to the uh, the Mansfield one, that's I mean that's perfect depiction of the of the time there that they can go and they can play the Mansfield show and get it on night one or night two whenever they got it. I believe that that was night one, and then the the crowd is staying there until the end, and and they have to come yeah. out and they have to play it again. It, it's just kind of. Uh, you know, it's song number forty-five. Like that, that and it's and it's so perfect too because this is totally a song, the history of it that that the fans owned, right? This is yeah. not a song that the band pushed. This is a song that that us, 
the fans pushed for and and requested and reacted to and you know it's such a special such a special thing in their history i think not not many bands have songs like that no no i i i agree with you and i think that every single time that you have a big show a show that there's a lot of hype around or a show that's in a big city uh you know you get the rare songs that are kind of sprinkled in throughout it feels like and i'll go back to the to the msg show that i went to in 2010 and all of these things were happening in the second encore they bring out ben bridwell for um uh from band of horses to do hunger strike uh, they do um, uh, kick out the jams. They do a couple other things that were just c- kind of not in their rep- repertoire. And it was such an exciting night that Ledbetter at the end, people were just like hugging each other, saying, This is the best show that I've ever been to in my life. And I remember, you know, the whole, uh, my brother was taking um, video on his phone. This is like really early on in, in the stages of iPhones and we were singing the whole song. I, I don't I don't remember if he posted it anywhere. I, I would love to see if that clip is is existent. But um, you know, it just kind of that my memory of that uh, stands out and just, you know, thinking about how that song really impacted and tied a bow on the whole night is is just part of why the experience is so special. Yeah, definitely. I think in the in the early you know mid two thousands, it started to become that celebration of the show, right? Where would it gives everyone a chance to, you know, because people know like this is going to be it, you know. So it it gives them a chance to show their appreciation for the band, gives the band a chance to show their appreciation for the crowd. The house you know, lights gives, come up. Exactly. You yeah. know, the it gives Mike a chance to to take you know get have a minute for himself, you know, to to take the lead mm-hmm. and and you know do his thing and you know it just becomes you know it's you get the band saying thank you you know it's it's become that almost like a a one of the one of the more special live songs you know it's it's a way for them to say thank you for for every show i go to uh the verona show 2006 and when i think of my favorite version that uh, I've just kind of seen, you know, throughout, you know, covering this and seen on the internet, the, the Verona 06 one, I believe was the one that they used for Imogene and Cor- Cornice. And mm-hmm. it just, it feels like the entire crowd is just on stage with the band. <laughs> can see in the band's eyes like they don't want to leave the stage it's kind of like it's a it's not just a goodbye it's sort of it's sad in a way it's it's wrapping up this you know this night this two to three hours of you know basically amazing music that you'll never get back again uh well i I think uh a big thing too in in 2004 it was used in the last episode of friends Friends. yep 
exactly. And I think that that exposed it to a whole new whole new group of people. So you get the girlfriends, the boyfriends, the you know the friends of friends that go to these shows, and they know the lives and even flows. And after two thousand four, friends last episode, all eyes are on it. Uh, that's another one that they know right away. And right. at that, you know, even now. On the radio, I listen to if I listen to FM radio, which I really don't anymore. Um, oh, yeah. It's one of five or maybe six Pearl Jam songs that's in heavy rotation on the uh, the regular ninety station. So right. it it might be the most the like the highest charting B side of all time, or like one of the one of the most uh, most popular B sides of all time for any band. We're gonna have to you check know, up the statistics it. on that because that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah if you think about. How many songs have had this long of a shelf life after just being a throwaway Ooh, B-side I, on a I, single I got the first one for album? You. Wasn't Hey Jude a B-side? It was released It was released on the album as well. Uh, it was not released on an album. It was definitely not an album song. Mm, I want to say it was I, like a I'm, single to get I'm back not or a, something like that. I'm not a Beatles historian. We'll have, yeah. to, uh, we'll have to bring some. If any of you there. are, please live on Four Legs Podcast at gmail dot com. <laughs> uh, we could use the help on this one, I suppose. Uh, but that's just you know, first thing that came to my head was yeah. you know, thinking that Hey Jude, yeah. one of the biggest songs that the Beatles had, and it wasn't even on any of their albums. Uh, not necessarily sure if it was a B side or or what the history of that was, but. Um, just, just interesting that case. Uh, so another big thing about this song and hearing it live is just the, the tags that you can hear from it. So what, well, yeah, uh, you know, again, in those, in those mid two thousands, they started opening it up, started playing around with it. And it was like, Oh, you know, what, what, how can we make this more special? You know, what else can we do with it? And yeah, there's, there are some great ones. So the Hawaii one, Honolulu, 2006, Mm-hmm. The end of that tour, and they comes out. You know, the Yellow Better ends the show. Mike starts playing Little Wing. The rest of the band is still on stage. You know, a lot of a lot of times the ba- the rest of the band leaves the stage at the end, and they only come back to do. You know, they all hug and do the bow. Um, but at this point, you know, you can you can see it on YouTube. The band's still on stage. Uh, they start looking at each other like he's he's playing the Little Wing. Jeff and Stone kind of kick in, like look at each other. All right, we you know we, we can do this. So the whole band starts playing it, and then Eddie comes up and starts singing the lyrics, and they go into like a a, a couple of verses of Little Wing as a full band. Quite a night. 
love it. Uh, such a great little addition to it. And I know that there was a show that we did not too long ago where they teased Ledbetter and instead they did Little Wing. And uh, that was a fun little way to, mm-hmm. to finish a show, too. Uh, but Little Wing has always kind of had this relationship with with Yellow Ledbetter. Yellow Ledbetter's kind of its... Uh, it's nephew or it's, it's right. son in a way, and it's right. Mike's ode to, to Jimi Hendrix. And you know, going back to the you know the political nature of it, a lot of times though, I think the most popular one is uh, Star Spangled Banner that they did a lot mm-hmm. back in the mid two thousands, and it it kind of I think it, that was something that they consciously did again another Hendrix reference going back to his Woodstock performance. Sure. Um, another thing that that fits in with the theme of the song perfectly and i look to the first show that i went to uh that msg in 2008 and they finished out the night with that but the one that really sticks out is uh the philadelphia one from the closing of the spectrum and just it feels like it's just their last little bit of energy and mike is mike is putting everything into it to give them the last final you know your last image of this historic arena and it's the national anthem and it's just absolutely mind-blowing cool and it's it's kind of uh it's patriotic in a way but it's also uh again kind of fits in with uh the nature of what 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 they've done with it so yeah i mean from the from the beginning you know pearl jam is has always known their place in history and they 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 know you know the references that they came from and you can tell by the songs that they cover you know they they know rock history they know where they came from, where it's going, where they've been, and it's it's just a really special nod to to the history of of rock music that they that they would do that. And the last stat that I have on this is uh, it's it's kind of a boring stat because it's kind of one that people be like, I we know we know it's 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 very obvious, but um, from 2006 until 2013, every show that it's played. Uh, until a San Diego show in 2013, uh, it was closed with. So it was absolutely the center of attention, the staple of the night. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then since then, since 2013, it looks like one, two, three, three other times that they played it, they hadn't closed with it. So it is... And you know what? You know what? You know, I, 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 can, I can tell you exactly what happened on those nights. It's like they did lead better. The crowd was still hot. Or and then and then Eddie turned around and said, 
Rocket and the Free mm-hmm. or something else, and they, they, they he turned around and went one more. Right. And so it, it was probably meant to close, but they 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 pulled a pulled an audible and uh, and pulled out one more for the crowd at that. Well, you those shows well you end. look at one of one of them that that they didn't close with it was uh, Wrigley of 2016, and it's a song 35. So I think right. was it I got a feeling that they uh, did after that. It you was. were at that show. I, I, I was there. Yeah, that that was a great. I got a feeling. And it's it's something like that where it, it's it's where they they turn around and go one more one more you know, and uh, and it's something you like I got a feeling is something you don't get a lot in the in the two thousands something they're going to pull out that's special for one especially at a, a show like Wrigley. Real quick, just this insane list of songs uh, that they have te- they have used as tags. Uh, Star Spangled Banner, it looks like it's been tagged with well, around like 38 times. There's no specific number here. It's just kind of a chart. Uh, Little Wing, it looks like around 29 or so. And then everything else, uh, Dance the Night Away, Nobody's Fault But Mine, Over the Hills and Far Away, so some Zeppelin there, uh, Ain't Talking About Love, Purple Rain, Children of the Grave, Number of the Beast, which I believe was that... Uh, MSG show that they did for, uh, the gar- live at the Garden DVD. Oh, yeah. Because uh, you know th- those are all those are all little little special things that that Mike pulls out at sure. the end. Is like maybe a nod to the city or a nod to to the venue or a nod to someone who's at the show. Like maybe you know, something like that. It's just a that that's all on that's all on Mike to to pull those out at the end. And it's it's you know it's 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 something special for those people that were there to hear it here at one time. So I think that's uh that's the show right there. I think Yeah, I think we got I it. think we we evolved. We went from one year for all the way, you know, back when uh you know, ripped jeans were popular to uh today where ripped jeans are popular except they're $190 instead of uh just, you know, tearing tearing them up with a with a switchblade. Uh I'll save that for the quarterly <laughs> episode. We'll talk about we'll talk about the $600 jackets. Yes. Yes. So if you like this episode, again, we ask you to go to patreon.com slash live on four legs, head on over to our Patreon, donate whatever you can, subscribe, and you get an ep- another episode of Evolution Baby. It's Leash. So if you liked what you heard today and kind of liked our going over the, the timeline and kind of going over the history of the song and... and uh, how it was played live and you know we're gonna keep doing this i think it's a fun little project uh like i said we're not really gonna dive into you know riot act era stuff because it's it's just not you know they were a polished band by that time uh you know it's gonna mostly be vitalogy and earlier so i may have a few wild cards in my sleeve we'll see how hey we have a lot of time we have a lot of songs so and we're not going to be releasing them every week. Maybe, maybe one every two or three weeks. We'll see how it goes. But it's definitely uh, there's going to be a lot more than uh, the episodes that we had exclus- exclusively that we had planned uh, earlier in the year. That didn't quite go as we we, we we can we can knock out a five minute can't deny me evolution episode. It had some cowbell and it was there. <laughs> yeah, yep. so. Uh, all right. I think we just did it. Good job. We gave you that. That's a little bonus episode right yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. You got to can't deny me. So that that's episode two, and head on over to patreon.com to get uh, <laughs> episode three for Leash. 
So, um, if you liked what you heard and you have a point that we didn't bring up or a favorite version of Yellow Light Better, you can do one of three things. You can head on over to our Facebook and comment on any of our posts that have talked about this. You can head on over to our Instagram, talk about, uh, comment on it, talk about, talk about it on any of the posts that we've uh, mentioned it, or you can send us an email at live on four legs podcast, talk about it, and we will bring it up in a future episode where we take uh, people's questions. And, uh, and that's it for this week. Next week, we'll be back. Uh, we're going to have a special guest on. It's Tom Kui from the Alpha Metallica podcast. For all of you Metallica fans out there that listen to that, uh, he's going to be on. We're going to be talking about the Reading UK Festival from 2006. It's a fun one. Uh, you're not going to want to miss it. It's a really good show. So uh, with that being said, we are out of here. Uh, anything else you want to bring to the table, John? Say goodbye to everybody. Nope. Bye. Bye. Um, I miss you already, and I miss you always. And until the next episode, head on over to Patreon to listen to Leash, and we'll see you next time.